Let us open with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come now and gather in your name, brothers and sisters in Christ, to celebrate the risen Christ. Dear God, we thank you for the many blessings you've given us. We thank you that you are with us through times of sorrow, that you comfort us, that you lift us up, and you remind us that this is a moment in time, that you will be here tomorrow, even though we may not know what's around the corner, you do, and you're there to strengthen us each and every inch of the way. We thank you so much for the blessings you give us. We ask now that the Holy Spirit will come, uh, help us hear the word of God as Grover delivers it, help us lift up the Lord in each and every way we can, and help us be the light on that shining hill into a dark, dark world. We just give you thanks and all honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our praise hymn today is uh, starting out with number 75, Fairest Lord Jesus. bound a few moments of meditation and prayer.
Father God, as we approach your throne of grace, we are not worthy, but because of the blood of Christ that covers our sins, we are able to come and to share with you. And Lord, all of us have heavy hearts. We've lost one of our sisters in Christ. We know that she's with you, and, and that's, that's a common event. But Lord, we have lost her in this congregation. And we just are real deeply, deeply hurt by it. But that's why we put our faith and trust in you. You know everything, Lord. You know what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, next week, months, years. And that's why we put our faith and trust in you. And Lord, we pray for others as we look at those on our prayer list, family and friends of Glenn Whitten. We, we just lift that family up to you, Lord, at this time as they go through their time of bereavement. We pray that you'll be with them. We pray, Lord, for Doris as she's in the hospital now. We'll be running tests on her tomorrow. And God, we pray for her and Phil and we pray for her speedy recovery and they will find out what's wrong and with your hand in it Lord they can fix it and God we pray for others on our prayer list we ask that you'll be with each one of them and give them strength we pray for their speedy recovery we pray for our nation Lord we pray for our doctors our nurses that administer to those in the hospital we pray for them give them strength keep them safe Lord we pray for our friends and family that are in nursing homes, we pray that you'll be with them. Those in assistant living homes, we lift them up to you, God. And we pray that you'll keep them from a virus. And, and be with each and every one of them, Lord. And be with the doctors and nurses that administer to them. We pray, Lord, for the many blessings you've given to us. Food, clothing, shelter, many things that we take for granted every day. And we just pray and thank you for those things, Lord. We thank you for your word in scripture. We thank you that we can come to your word where it's stable. As we look at it today that we will see the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. And, and it's just unbelievable the difference, Lord. And that's why we need to put our faith and trust in you. We thank you, God, for so many blessings. And we pray now that you'll lead and guide us through this time of worship. We pray for our missionaries. We lift them up to you, Lord. We pray that you'll keep them safe and, and keep them from a virus and give them traveling grace, Lord, and, and be with them as they present your word today and pray that someone will hear it and be saved. Also, Lord, we pray today as the message you've laid upon my heart that whether they're here in the congregation, out in the car, on podcast, or on the internet, that Lord, they will hear it, and maybe someone will accept you as Lord and Savior. And that's the reason we have all these things, Lord. And we thank you for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The next hymn is hymn number 257, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King.
wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. You know that funeral service tomorrow, if I had the wisdom of man, I will open up the scripture, if that's all I had. I would turn to the New Testament and it would be blank. I wouldn't have nothing to say. But tell them I'm sorry that it happened. But the wisdom of God, I can turn to the Scripture, and there I have exactly where she is at this moment. That's one of the difference. And today as we look at that, we will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul deals with one theme and one theme only in this chapter. He keeps on repeating it in every single verse. It's a very modern theme. That is the marvelous thing about Scripture. It's always up to date. Always contemporary. Here the great apostle deals with what in many sense is the most urgent problem and question confronting the Christian church at this moment. I believe that there are three things or characteristics of modern men and women that must, be, that must amaze us and come as a problem to us. First of all, is that aim all today's perplexities and problems, they are astounding, alarming. Wars, possibility of more war, the whole state of our society, the chaos in our own country, the chaos and around the world, modern men and women faced with such problems and are baffled by them, refuse to consider the only solution to them, namely the one that is to be found in the Bible. They will listen to statesmen or philosophers or poets. They will listen to music. They will listen to anybody. But they will not listen to the message of God's holy word, which alone can deal with the problems. The second thing that is extraordinary about modern men and women is that they are hero worshipers. They are prepared to stand for hours to get just a passing glimpse of a movie star or some other important person or politician. They are always ready to turn someone into a hero. I'm not here to criticize that. But what is astounding is that people who are so interested in remarkable and unique personalities have such little interest in the greatest figure, the greatest personality this world has ever known, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing that characterizes people today, and the three things, of course, belong all together, is this. People are interested in great events, any remarkable happenings, and yet they are confronted by the greatest event that has ever happened or ever can happen, namely the unique death and resurrection of the Son of God. They pass by the cross unconcerned or with contempt and ridicule. The great question for us is to discover why this happens. And that is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And I'll begin reading that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 
verses 1 through 8. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Let not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in mystery, the hidden wisdom of God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Bless the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Let us pray. Father God, we pray now that your Holy Spirit will open up the scripture to us. We'll speak to our hearts as we look at this wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. We thank you, Lord, for the scripture that you gave to Paul and has pinned down for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why do modern men and women not consider the message of the gospel? Why do they not believe it and accept it and apply it? Their whole approach to the gospel is entirely, completely wrong. And because their initial approach is wrong, obviously they will be wrong with respect to the gospel in every single way, in every single detail. Now, Apostle Paul deals with that very subject early on in 1 Corinthians. Paul had been to Corinth. He had preached the gospel. Many had believed it. A church had been established. But all of a sudden he hears to his amazement that many are now reverting to their old ways of thinking and are going back to the wisdom of men. This was one of the first reasons he had for writing to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1.17, the Bible says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And from that point to the end of chapter 4, he simply deals with this one great question. He pointed out that if they had persisted in this way, the cross would be of no effect. Indeed, they are going to make everything that he preached to them of no effort. They do not realize this, but the devil has come in, and in a very suitable way, he is undermining their whole Christian position by getting these people to go back to their old style of thinking. But Paul puts forth the contrast between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men. My suggestion is that so many today not only do not believe this gospel, but reject it even without considering it. Why? For the simple reason that they approach it in terms of human wisdom and fail to see from the beginning that it does not belong to that realm of God's wisdom. It only belongs to God's wisdom. It's entirely different. The favorite human wisdom at the present is scientific wisdom. You heard that. 
We will follow the science in everything. People are prepared to listen to whatever the science says on any subject. But you can't do that to the gospel. Because of this, people reject the gospel, so deny themselves the results of great salvation. This wisdom of man, they say, is the approach to all problems. We hear it all the time, radio, TV, books on the internet, Facebook, so forth. This wisdom outlook is an outlook that starts with man and his ability. It's all based on that. It believes that people have the power and the capacity to understand everything and to conquer their environment. How? It starts with observation. This man's wisdom is based on human ability, man's brain, man's understanding, and man's power. It's based entirely on man's capacity, and it really believes that there is virtually nothing that is impossible to human beings. Some scholar years ago said, and I quote, Man is soon going to become the creator, and God will no longer be necessary, end quote. It's happening now. We see it now. So the Apostle Paul shoots holes in man's wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 2, and it goes to 1 through 16. Why did the Apostle Paul go to Corinth to begin with? Well, did he go just to join that research team that was investigating truth or, or trying to discover the reality? Was he a seeker and a searcher after truth? No. Here's his words. He says, I declare to you. It is the exact opposite. It is nothing, not seeking. It is declaring. It is pronouncing. What is it pronouncing? The testimony of God. In verses 2 and 3, Paul knew many things. He was a learned man, but, but he deliberately decided and determined to proclaim anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You will not get very far in the modern world if that is your condition, we are told. If you want to get on, you must be self-confident and unsure. You must believe in yourself and your power. But here is the exact opposite. Weakness, fear, much trembling. This is an expression of other dependence on God's wisdom. In verses 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching. Watch the negatives. Were not with persuasive words or human wisdom or man's wisdom. But, what was it then? It was in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. There is a reverse in every single verse. It's not man's wisdom. It's the power of God. It's God's wisdom. In verses 6 through 8, at first Paul appears to be contradicting himself when he continues, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. But then, lest you think he is, is uh, contradicting himself, he quickly adds, yet not the wisdom of this age, which is the wisdom of man, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But watch the absolute contrast. 
We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. See, it's altogether different. And then to make absolutely certain that everybody has grasped this, Paul says, which none of the rulers of this age even knew. Remember when he says rulers, in King James Version says princes, he's not only thinking so much of political leaders or royal families as of great men, he is also speaking of leaders in every realm and department of life. The great philosophers, the great thinkers, the great religious leaders, all of them, these are rulers and people who did not know God's wisdom. Now the rulers of this world are not to be despised. They are able men, women. They are very able when it comes to recognizing one another. But the tragedy of the world is this. None of the rulers of this world knew Christ. For they had known, for if they had known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Here is still the tragedy of the world. These great men and women who seemed to be able to do almost everything did not even recognize the Son of God when they were confronted by Him. They said, who is this fellow? Who is this carpenter? What is this nonsense about redeeming death upon a cross and resurrection? What is all this? You see, none of the rulers of this world knew Him. And yet the Christians in Corinth were going back to the wisdom of these rulers and people are doing exactly the same thing today. But here's the mystery. Here's the paradox. Think about this. The maker, the creator, the sustainer of the universe came lying as a helpless baby in a manger. This is what we're talking about. What is the value of your scientific formulas here? Where is your philosophy here? Where is all the wisdom of man here? The Apostle Paul never said he understood it. He stands back and he says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16 And that is it. It is entirely out of the reality of man's wisdom in every single respect. And then Paul tells us about the death on the cross. He said, Jesus Christ and Him crucified in verse 2. Oh, the mystery and the marvel of the cross. What a paradox. What a contradiction. The Prince of Glory is dying. Madness. Impossible. But it has happened. He died for you and me. Isaac Watts says, When I surveyed the wondrous cross, on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost, and poor contempt on all my pride. The pride of knowledge and philosophy and all the learning that has been gained in the universities say it is ridiculous. The prince of glory dying. But this is the subject matter. The atoning sacrifice. God's way of redemption. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 And then Paul goes on to tell us that all these things happen for us. This is the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages 
of our glory. Verse 7. All of this happened that we might be redeemed. The Son of God died that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to Him. And the Holy Spirit is sent, and He comes and does His amazing work of regeneration in each of our lives. You see, God puts the Holy Spirit into us, gives us an understanding that we never had before, and so we have the mind of Christ. This is what the Gospel is about. Listen. When you come into the Christian church, listen to this gospel as is in truth. You must realize that everything in the world is of no value. It does not matter who you are, what natural ability you have, your academic gains. It's all useless toy when you come to Christ as Lord and Savior. Christ says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 8, verse 18, verse 3. Christ also said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and it revealed them things to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Matthew eleven twenty five and 26. And yet people depend on man's wisdom. The outsider does and rejects the gospel. So what is the subject matter of the gospel? The Apostle Paul tells us in verse 10. He says, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit, it searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. This is not about seeking and searching. It's not research. It's not trial and error upon error upon error. It's about revelation. God has revealed them to us through the Holy Spirit. What is it? For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. You will never understand it. It is a mystery to you and me. This manifold wisdom of God, the deep things of God. So it is because of the subject matter of the gospel that the wisdom of man is utterly incompetent and should never enter into its realm. It's not astounding that men and women are annoyed by this instead of thanking God for it. We are to thank God that the gospel is as it is. Why? If it depended upon wisdom of man and knowledge and capacity and understanding and power, then it would only be salvation for a very few great exceptional people, the elites. And the rest of us would be lost. Thank God that His way of salvation is so utterly and entirely different than human wisdom. But what does the gospel demand of us? Simply that we know that we are paupers. Simply that we repent and admit and confess that we have nothing at all. That we are blind, lost, damned and hopeless and helpless. Oh, the tragedy that men and women should object to the most glorious thing about the gospel. And that is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16 and not the power of man. Why? Because it is the power of God. There is hope for us all. 
Let me close by quoting to you that great hymn, Horatius Mornard, which states it all so perfectly. In the first stand, in the second stanza, first verse, he says, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, the thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. Remember the invitation? Our Lord invites us to drink. Why does the world refuse? The explanation is given in the second verse and the second standard. It says, stoop down. That is the problem. Everything the world or nation needs is there in the gospel. The fountain was open on Calvary's cross. There is the water of the word of life. Everything you need. But you cannot drink a fountain standing erect. Before you can drink, you have to bend your knees or you may lie prostrate on the ground. You must stoop down and drink in order to live. And the moment you parse lips, touch that cooling stream, everything changes. But modern men and women will not do this. They prefer to follow the wisdom of man and end up in hell. All they have to do is just become like little children Stoop down and drink. And then they will be able to join Herodias Barnard. In the second verse, the third and fourth stanza. He said, I came to Jesus. I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched. My soul revived. And now, I live in Him. My dear friends, this is the great question of the hour. Are you banking and basing your whole portion on human wisdom and understanding and knowledge on the revelation of God in the Lord Jesus Christ made known to us in the infallible Word of God? It is a tragedy. The folly of putting the wisdom of man against the deep things of God. May God apply His message to us so that we all may know we are ready to be warriors for Christ's sake. If any man sees to be wise in this world, let him become a fool. 1 Corinthians 3.18 Instead, believe this gospel. Let him become a little child that he may be wise. First step to God's wisdom is accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you for what Apostle Paul has given to us through the Scripture. There may be someone here today, Lord, in the sanctuary out in the car, online, or wherever, that hears this message, may come to the wisdom of God by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. And we pray, Lord, that they make that decision to follow You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation.
is hymn number 113, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, hymn number 113. pray. Oh, Father God, we just thank you for this day, the beautiful day you've given to us. We pray, Lord, that the message may not stop here, but continue with us through this week, that we may share it with someone. We pray now, Lord, that you'll give us traveling grace back home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.